0: So this is my heart's cry, my desire, my desire for this church to make prayer as a lifestyle and not a strategy for disaster management. You know, we suddenly become too spiritual and too prayerful when something happens major in our life. I remember back when we were in college, there was a chapel room in our hostel. All the hostels had chapel rooms and the chapel rooms used to be filled around the time of exams. So we filled, till then nobody cared about God, but when the exams were about to happen, chapel rooms were filled. So somehow we know that prayer is powerful, but we only use it for, it's like a last minute resort. Till then we'll do whatever we can, right? So may prayer not be a strategy for disaster management, but may prayer become a lifestyle. You know, when Jesus when Jesus was cleaning the temple, he was whipping people and he was beating them black and blue. He said, you have made this a house of a den of robbers. You have made this a den of robbers, but this should be called the house of prayer. May your life be a house of prayer. If your life is not a house of prayer, it becomes a den of robbers. When your life is not a house of prayer, it becomes a den of robbers. Who is the robber? There's only one robber. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So when you don't pray, you're giving permission to the enemy to come and steal and kill and destroy. So it's either a house of prayer or it's a den of robbers. it, it is not. There's no, no man's land. There's no... There's no place where nothing exists. It's either a house of prayer, or it's either a den of robbers. What what would you want your life to be? House of prayer, or a den of robbers? So may prayer become a lifestyle. Amen? Okay. Uh, How many of you would go to gym when you are sick? When you're absolutely sick, you'll go to gym. Except Ashish. Extreme cases, let's avoid extreme cases. Nobody would go to gym when they're sick, right? That's why I'm saying, don't use prayer just for, just a recipe for managing your disasters, managing problems. Prayer has to become a lifestyle. A lifestyle where we talk to God, where we communion with God, where we are so intimate with God. You know, the, the, the lifestyle of prayer should be not that I have to pray, Oh, I have to wake up in the morning. Oh, I have to pray. Oh, didn't you pray? Oh, I didn't pray. Oh, it should move from I have to pray to I get to pray. Such a privilege. Man, I didn't pray today. I get to pray. I have to make time to pray. Prayer is a privilege. Prayer is a privilege. A privilege that we have that we can talk with God. We can talk with our Heavenly Father. Just imagine if all of you had a separate private line to the president of the United States, would you consider it a privilege? A separate private line to the president of the United States where you can call him anytime he wants, anytime you want, right? And you can address your issues and you can just share your heart, you know? Wouldn't that be a privilege? You have a separate line. You have a separate private line. You have his number. You can call him whenever you want. But somehow the problem is when things are too much available, we lose its profoundness. You go to places where they don't have Bible, they will they'll do anything to find one piece of scripture. But over here, because we have a lot of Bibles, we don't care about opening right? True, right? So, but let's not forget, prayer is a privilege. We don't have to, we get to. If you don't pray, I'm not saying you won't get to heaven. In fact, you will get to heaven faster. Okay? I'll see all of you in heaven faster. Okay? So don't pray because you want to get to heaven. Pray because you want to encounter heaven now. Pray so that the King of heaven meets you now. So Jesus said, let your kingdom come. Amen? So prayer as a lifestyle, okay? So today what I want to show you from the scriptures, I I want to read a couple of scriptures, not going to speak a lot, a couple of scriptures, hopefully I'm not going to speak a lot. Uh, But what I want to show you is examples from the life of Jesus, how he prayed. Because Jesus' Jesus' life is a good model for us to follow. In Ephesians chapter 5, I believe, is it 4 or 5 verse 1? It says, therefore, uh, imitate God as dear children. Right? Imitate God. So if our goal is to become like Jesus, modeling Jesus' prayer is a good place to begin. Do you agree? Right? So I'll show you five instances, five major instances where he prays. So come with me. Luke chapter 3, verse 21 to 22. Luke chapter 3, verse 21 22. I'll give you a little bit of context here. What is happening is, John the Baptist, he's baptizing people, and Jesus goes among those people, and he gets baptized, right? Now listen to this. Verse 21, Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized, and was praying, The heavens were open, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. See, as Jesus was getting baptized, he was also praying. See, understand the culture that he has cultivated in himself to pray at all times. Paul got it from Jesus. Where Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17, pray without ceasing. He was praying as he was getting baptized, he was praying. Can you pray as you're listening to this message? Can you pray that the Holy Spirit will open your ears and you will hear what heaven has to say today about your life? Right? So what did Jesus do? Jesus was praying. And as he was praying, he heard this voice which says, You are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Did you know that this word that he heard during the baptism was enough for him to carry on the great work that he had to do for the next three and a half years? This word was enough. In fact, when he is being tempted by, by by the devil, the devil is trying to steal this word from him. Because every time the devil is tempting him, are you sure you're the son? Are you sure are you sure you're the son? What is he trying to do? He's making him doubt in this word that he has received from heaven, which is this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. What's the first thing that prayer does? It opens your eyes, not opens your eyes. Prayer opens your ears. Opens your ears to what heaven has to say. Opens your ears to what God has to say. Do you know what you hear is so important? What you hear forms the reality of your life. Do you know that? In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. And the life, that means I am the truth. The Greek word for truth is "aletheia," which means reality. I am your reality. So today you either have the option of listening to the truth or listening to the lie. A lie is not an incorrect statement. A lie is something that God did not say. Truth is something that God said. In the Garden of Eden, Eve listened to the devil and she was deceived but what if she had taken a moment to listen to the father she would not have been deceived see Jesus was not deceived because in spite of what the devil was attacking him, he was still tuned to what the father was saying God spoke once but he heard it twice there's a verse in the bible that says God spoke once but I heard it twice what does that mean? that he kept hearing what the Lord has spoken So what prayer does is it opens your ears to what God is wanting to say. Because prayer is not a monologue where you are just dumping all your requests to him. Prayer is a dialogue. Do you like any friend who just keeps talking without hearing? Any friend. (laughs) But surprisingly, you've been that friend to people. (laughs) If not, ask me. Prayer is a dialogue. Why do we have a dialogue? Because we are in a relationship with the Father. So as you talk to him, he talks back. As you tell him, he speaks back. He responds. Prayer is a dialogue. And you have to hear what the Lord is saying. I heard somebody say this. The reason why you have two ears and one mouth is so that you speak less and you hear more. But if our prayer is all about, God, I need this, God, I need this, you know, that person is so mean and, you know, I want to complain about this person. And you're not waiting to hear what the Lord has to say. You have missed the point of prayer. Prayer is a dialogue. So what does prayer do? It opens your ears to what the Lord wants to say. Romans 14 verse 17. I'm I'm missing out on all the verses today. Romans 10 verse 17. It says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Faith doesn't come by hearing sermon. Faith doesn't come by hearing sermon. But in the sermon, you can hear God's word. See, that's the problem. We want to take it to the extreme. Pastor Sam said, faith doesn't come by sermon. I'm not going to listen to any sermon. Faith doesn't come by sermon, doesn't come by hearing the sermon, but in the sermon you can hear the word of God. Faith doesn't come by reading the scriptures, but reading the scriptures you can hear God's word. Right? Faith comes by hearing God's word, hearing what God is speaking to you in that very moment. So as you're listening to the sermon, you have to sit in a prayerful attitude, asking the Lord, open my ears so that I can hear what you want to speak to me. What you want to speak to me in the context of my life, in the circumstances that I'm going through, you speak to me. I want to hear what you have to speak to me. Because if you don't take the privilege of doing that, you will miss out on what the Lord has for you. The Lord has beautiful things to tell you. I've chosen you. You are loved. You are precious. You're my beloved son. You're my beloved daughter. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Be bold. Be courageous. God has so many amazing things to tell you. But you have to hear what the Lord is saying through the preacher. Right? Very few times will heaven's open and you'll hear direct. It's very few times. But mostly God speaks through people. He blesses people through people. That's how God works. So can you be humble enough when you come to church and to be expectant, to be with an expectant heart? Lord, what do you want to speak to me? I'm here. That's why stay in a prayerful attitude. Even as you're listening, stay in a prayerful attitude. Lord, I'm sensitive. I want to hear you. I want to hear what you have to say. What does prayer do? Prayer opens our ears. Okay, the second thing. Matthew chapter 4 verse 1 and 2 Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights he was hungry So straight after the baptism what happens is the spirit leads him into the wilderness In fact, the Bible is so clear that the Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted. He was led specifically to be tempted. So Jesus is in the wilderness and he's fasting and praying for 40 days and 40 nights. He's fasting and praying. And he was hungry. Now what happens? Now the devil is coming against him, bringing accusations, trying to tempt him. But how does Jesus respond? Every time the devil brings him something, how does Jesus respond? The first thing that he says, is, it is written. Three main temptations of the devil that we see. I believe he was tempted throughout. Okay, These three are the main ones that the author is writing about. But in these three main temptations, Jesus, how he responds to the devil is not, Oh, let me show you. You are challenging me. I'm a son of God. Let me show you. Fire, fall down from heaven. But instead he says, it is written. He uses the scriptures. He uses the scriptures. Prayer prepares our minds, prepares our minds so that when we are in need, when we are in an attack, the scriptures come into remembrance. One of the beauty of prayer is that it brings scriptures into our remembrance so that we are prepared in our minds for any attack. So there are two things, okay? Only prayer will not do. You have to remember scriptures also so that, see, he, he can only deal with things that is already there in the bank, right? If in the bank memory, if there's no verses, how can he bring it into remembrance, right? So there are two things. One, You have scriptures, you read scriptures, but it is prayer that will bring the right scriptures at the right time. It is through prayer that the Spirit will remind you of what scriptures to use at the right moment. What does prayer do? It prepares your mind. So when Jesus was fasting 40 days, he was being prepared in his mind. He was being prepared. Even though he was physically so weak and he was so hungry, he was in need, he was in lack. Because he was in prayer, his mind was being prepared. The first time what was happening, his ears were opened. Second time, his mind was being prepared. Let me show you the third time. Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verse 12 and 13. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night, say with me all night. All night, he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose them from them twelve, whom he named apostles. So to choose his disciples, whom he named apostles... How much time did Jesus pray? All night. All night. So, stay with me, okay? How many hours are there in in a night? Maybe 12 hours. So probably he prayed for 8. For the lack of our unbelief, let's say he prayed for 5 hours. Okay? He prayed all night for 5 hours. And see, whom did he choose? Peter, who denied him. Judas who stole from the treasury bag Andrew who was a fisherman James and John who were ready to throw fire anytime they would get upset whose ego was so small these uneducated disciples these fishermen who did not you know who did not who could not even understand what Jesus was saying are these the ones Jesus chose Thomas who could not believe that Jesus rose. He prayed all night, five hours, and this is what he chose. If it was, if we were in his place, we would have chosen better, right? But see, Jesus, in his prayer, he discerned what was about to happen. So his prophetic eyes were opened and he saw that these disciples that, However they look in the physical, however they were, they were all, you know, rough and rugged and, you know, there's so much work that needs to be done, but they were enough to change the world. They were enough to bring in the gospel that he had. Prayer opened his prophetic eyes. Because if you had met Peter then, you would have said, <laughs> dude, you stay there, you just keep fishing. Do you know how many times these disciples disappointed Jesus? Do you know how many times they went out back to fishing, leaving the ministry? When when Jesus was being crucified, when he was being arrested, all these guys who were there to die for him, they ran away. In like a moment's notice, only John was there. So there was something that Jesus saw that nobody else saw. And he says, hey, you did not choose me, I chose you. I choose you, I see it, I can see the end, I can see the end at the beginning and I say I choose you, I believe in you, you don't see it yet, even Peter wouldn't have seen it in in himself, it would have been so hard for him to know, Lord really me, Peter do you love me, yeah I love you, do you love, I don't know. Even he truly did not believe in what the Lord was calling him. But every time, Jesus would look at him, tend my sheep. I give off the responsibility that I have on you. I'm believing in you. Because why? Because when I prayed all night, I saw. I saw that you were called. I saw that you could do it. Prayer opens up your prophetic eyes. It gives you discernment. When somebody is really bothering you, pray for them. You'll stop complaining. I'm serious. When somebody is really irritating you, does not respect you, has pushed you around, treated you like a punching bag, pray for them. Because when you pray for them, your eyes will be open and you will see what the father sees. You'll see what the father sees. I think I've shared this before. You find what you seek. If you seek weakness in a person, that is what you'll find. If you seek strength in a person, that is what you'll find. If you seek Christ in a person, that is what you'll find. It takes takes a level of discernment to see what God sees. So when you pray, He opens your eyes, your eyes of enlightenment, and then you realize, oh, yeah, I'm getting irritated with this guy, but he has, he has a great purpose in my life. He has a great purpose in my life. All the people who have been a blessing to me, can I tell you this? All the, all the people who have been a blessing to me were the people who I wanted to run away because they offended me. All the people I'm saying, all I, I can name it on my hands. The first time I saw them, I was like, not, no, not, not, I don't, I don't, I don't want to know them, they offended me. But do you know that when you can get past that offense, there's such a great blessing that is there for you? Somehow, I, I think God packages blessings in a wrapping paper of offense, yellow. So Jeremy prays, Lord, I want to be blessed. And God wraps a huge blessing in a wrapping paper of offence in here. You know why? I know why. I know why God does that. Because in that process where when you are trying to deal with that offense in the process when you want to trust god more than you want to be full of yourself and you want to deal with that offense when you trust god more you're opening up your heart to receive that blessing till then you are not even prepared to receive that blessing but in the process of dealing with that offense you're able to trust god more you're able to you're able to you know believe in what he has and you're able to let go what It does is it opens up your heart to receive that blessing. That is what prayer does. It opens your eyes. So when you go to some when you go to God and you say, Lord, I don't want to have a relationship with Him. I can't journey with Him. God says, Let me show you something. 15 years later, down the line, He's going to be the biggest blessing in your life. Are you still going to remain offended? See, if I know a person is going to be the biggest blessing of my life, like he's going to, for example, let's quantify this, okay? For example, he's going to bring 100 times increase to my salary, right? If I have that knowledge, somehow, that in like two years time, that this person is going to bring 100 fold increase into my life, no matter how offensive he is, I don't care how how much he stinks. I don't care if he takes a shower or not. I'll still honor him. Oh Lord, I'll receive this cross. Pray. I'm saying seriously pray. Because whoever the Lord has brought in your life, he has brought it with a purpose to bless you. Yeah, you you want to be a blessing and you want to take that credit. Oh Lord, I'm, I'm expressing the character of Jesus. But I'm telling you, if they're offending you, they are meant to be a blessing for you. They're meant to be a blessing for you. Pray, pray, pray so that your eyes will be open and you can see what the Lord is going to do through them. I know you will not like this. It's not practical. But I'm telling you, if you can get past this illogical, get past this logical reasoning, and trust me on this. When you pray, God will open your eyes and say, that guy whom you don't like is going to be a great blessing for you if you keep him close. Hallelujah. I can give you examples after examples. Take names after names of people who have blessed me and I hated them. There have time... there are times when I still go to Betty and I say, I don't think I can journey with them, you know, they're so it's unbelievable I do that, but whenever I sit for prayer, God tells me you have no idea that that person is a channel of blessing for you stay close so I have to eat my ego, take my pride off and I'll be like, okay brother (laughs) I'm here again to be hurt. Amen. Pray. If you pray, you will not complain. It's very easy. If you pray, you will not complain about people. If you pray, you will not backbite about people. Whoever you are backbiting about, whoever you have a long list, pray for them. See, genuinely, if you pray for them, I'm saying you will not complain. Because the Lord will open your eyes to see what he is seeing in them. Amen? Okay, come on. Next. Luke chapter 9, verse 28 to 29. Now after eight days, after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. I know you're all familiar with this story. It's the story on how Jesus is transfigured. And it's called the Mount of Transfiguration. But as Jesus was praying, what happened? His appearance changed. His appearance completely changed so much that they could not recognize him. His face altered. The Bible says his face altered, his face was altered. Prayer can change your face if you don't like your face. Pray. I'm kidding, guys. You you guys have beautiful faces. But what I'm trying to say is, prayer can alter your physical appearance. In what sense do I mean? See, when Paul said in Romans 12:2. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. He said, be transfigured. Meaning as your heart changes, something happens to your body. It's it's in Proverbs, I believe. Proverbs 15 verse 13 says, joyful heart makes a cheerful face. That's why today morning I've been telling myself, Sam, smile. Joyful heart makes a cheerful face. You can't be somebody all the time faking it. You can't be that person for a long time. What is inside of you will come out. So if you are really transformed from inside, it will show on your face. It will show on your face. I'll show you one interesting verse that I found. Isaiah chapter 3, verse 9. For the look on their faces, listen to this, for the look. On their faces bears witness against them. Just their facial expression bears witness against them. They proclaim their sin like Sodom. They do not hide it. Woe to them. For they have brought evil on themselves. When you look in the mirror and you're like afraid. Your face is bearing witness against you. Pray. Prayer can alter your face. It can change you it can cr- transform you from inside out it can completely change you you remember moses he was with god 40 days i believe on the mountain praying when he came down he was so transformed so much that everybody was afraid you know your face is your identity and in your face everything is there all the jealousy that you want to hide, all the offense that you want to hide, everything is there on your face. See, how did people, I'm saying in the Old Testament, how did people know when an angel appeared, they knew that they, this was an angel? Because an angel did not come with wings. They looked like normal men. That's how the Bible describes them. But how did they identify that this one is an angel? Something about their face. Something about their face. I believe this was one reason why people were attracted to Jesus because there was something about his face that a countenance. Your face is your identity. And you want that transformation to appear that is in your spirit, in your spirit being prayer. Pray. Prayer changes your face. 2 Corinthians 3.18 But we all with unveiled faces, not like Moses who had to hide behind a wheel, but we all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory every time you see God you are being transformed into that same glory your faces are being transformed am I making sense? do you know people when you see them there is a glow on their face and it's not the lights and it's not the cream i know girls you spend a lot of money buying creams but, but that glow that you are the glow that you're pursuing yes that cannot be bought from creams and joel says hallelujah <laughs> uh, that glow is divine it is in the presence of the lord that as you behold him with unveiled faces, you are being transformed into that same image, into that same glory. Isn't that powerful? Prayer changes your face. Okay, what's the fifth one? Only five, okay? Fifth one. Luke chapter 5, verse 15 to 16. Luke chapter 5 verse 15 to 16. But now even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. When people would come to him, when crowd would come to him proclaiming him, what would he do? He would withdraw, pray. Look at this pattern. Mark chapter 1 verse 35. And rising very early in the morning... While it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. Something about desolate places where Jesus found comfort in the father. Like people were coming to crown him as king and Jesus would like withdraw. The moment he knew that these guys are gathering to crown him as king, he would depart to a desolate place. To communion with the father. You know why? Why? Because Jesus trusted in God's approval than man's approval. Let me show you one more, one more, okay? John chapter 6. Come with me. I want to show you this. John chapter 6, verse 15. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. They were about to come, right? They were going to force him to. Make him king. But what did Jesus do? He withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Why did he withdrew himself? To pray. Next verse. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark. And Jesus had not yet come to them. Where is Jesus? He's on the mountain. What is he doing? He's praying. Where are the disciples? They have gone ahead. They're on the boat. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat. And they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat. And say with me, immediately. Come on, say with me. Immediately. Immediately, the boat was at the land to which they were going. Check this out. Not every open door is from God. Not every prosperity is from God. Not every lushful green pastures is from God. Jesus discerned that and he withdrew himself and he was waiting for God's timing. When the devil said, hey, just worship me and you can have all of this. Jesus did not do that. Hey, don't you know it is written, you shall only worship the Lord your God. When, the, when these people were about to make him king, he would always withdraw withdrew himself. Why? Because he was waiting on God's timing. He was waiting on God's timing. This is so powerful. Listen to this. This is so powerful. Jesus, is, Jesus knows, he perceives in himself that these people are coming to make him king. He withdraws himself. He is praying. Now see what happened. The disciples, they move ahead. Can I tell you, prayer is not wasting time. You think prayer is wasting time. Everybody who was with me, they have gone so much further in life and I'm here praying. Prayer is not wasting time. All my colleagues, everybody who was in school, they have, you know, now they have children and I'm I'm still unmarried. Prayer is not wasting time. You're waiting on God's timing. You're waiting on God's timing. See what happens. All of them, they went ahead, they were on the boat and they are struggling. Jesus walks on the sea. The moment he enters the boat, the boat reaches the shore. God is not in the habit of hurrying. But God is in the, his style is acceleration. He says, if you wait with me, when I accelerate, you will also accelerate. So, not every open door that you see, you know, don't, don't, don't step on people because you see an open door. Wait for God's timing. Stay humble, stay submitted. Wait for God's timing. You know, especially in the corporate, we have such a bad culture, right? Everybody is wanting to stab each other. You know, somehow we backbite. We somehow we get to the next. Don't do that. And you might be like, oh, but if I don't do that, I'll never be promoted. Don't worry. Because when God promotes you, he'll not promote you step by step. He'll promote you four levels down, four levels up. Prayer gives you speed. We think we are waiting and we are wasting time. But I'm telling you, prayer accelerates your life. Every minute that you spend in prayer is acceleration. Every minute. Tell yourself that. Whenever you think that you're wasting time, it's, it feels so boring. What am I doing? I, can, I could probably study. Prayer is accelerating your life. Amen? Are you blessed? So what are the five points that you learned? What's the first thing? Prayer opens your ears to what heaven has to say. Prayer opens your ears. What's the second one? Prayer Prayer prepares our mind against the attack of the devil. Prayer prepares our minds against the attack of the devil. What's the third one? Prayer opens our prophetic eyes. Prayer opens our prophetic eyes. What's the fourth one? Prayer changes our face. What it changes our face meaning that it changes you, transforms you inside out. Prayer, prayer can alter your face. What's the fifth one? Prayer gives you speed. Prayer gives you speed. So the next time when you're sitting for prayer, and when the devil comes and tells you, hey, you're wasting time. What are you doing? Remember all of these five things. It opens your ears. It prepares your mind, it opens your prophetic eyes, it changes your face, and it gives you speed. You're not wasting time. You're not wasting time in prayer. Prayer is that you're plugging yourself into God, into God's reality. You are cutting yourself from this physical reality. See, that's why, that's why it's so important when you, when you pray, you close your eyes. Because by closing your eyes, you're saying, I'm cutting off from what I see, and I'm switching on to what I believe. We walk by faith, not by sight. And we need these times when we can cut off from this physical reality that we see because physical reality, you know, it tells you different, different things. You have bills to pay, you're you know, you're not done in life, everybody is growing, all the wicked people around you are prospering, what are you doing in your life, You know, you're useless, that's the physical reality. You have to close your eyes and pray. Get connected to the Father and the Father says, hey, you're my beloved. You are chosen. I bless you. Do not be afraid. Be bold. Be courageous. Pray. Pray. Because it plugs you into God himself. And when it plugs you into God himself, the reality of God starts flowing into your life. Starts flowing into your life. Amen? Can I show you something? Okay, I, I need the this is spontaneous, okay? So, Delhi is in which state? Delhi is a state in itself, right? So, Delhi is in which country? India. India is in the world, right? Uh, so, just imagine with me, all of us are living in Delhi, right? Uh, Mumbai guys, you can contextualize this for yourself, but For the purpose of this experiment, let's consider this to be Delhi, and Delhi is in India, okay? See, I I can't draw a map and also you can just imagine with me. Delhi is in India. Now, because Delhi is in India, can anything separate Delhi from India? Not possible, right? Nothing can separate Delhi from India because Delhi is part of India. True, but what, What? just check with me. But what if Delhi closes all its borders? All its borders so that nothing is going in and nothing is going out. Even though Delhi is in India, Delhi cannot experience being part of India. Is that true? If Delhi, sur- suddenly everybody, you know, somehow, I, I don't know who, i don't know how it happens just a hypothetical situation we all rebel and we say we don't want to be p- become part of india you know we just want an independent state if we close our borders even though delhi is in india it, st- it still can experience independence in that sense it still can feel separation even though it is not separated it can feel separation just like that okay now imagine with me if this is you me and if this is christ there is nothing that can separate you from Christ. But if you close your hearts, even though there's nothing that can separate you from Christ, you can feel separated. What does prayer do? It opens the borders of your heart to say, Christ, I want you to be released in and through me. Because every time you don't pray, the borders just get thickened. Every time you get offended, the borders of your heart just get hardened. And then you're like, I'm in Christ I'm seated in the heavenly places, but I don't feel any of this. I don't see my reality changing. Why? Because your borders are blocked. But every time you pray, those borders get broken. Do you understand this? Now will you pray? Okay, God bless you guys. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for teaching us about prayer. And we thank you for revealing us revealing to us from the scriptures on how Jesus prayed. On how Jesus prayed. I pray that it will become a revelation and a lifestyle for each and every one of us. Like as your word says, men ought to pray and not faint. And I pray that we will pray without fainting. That we will pray without ceasing, That we will pray without grumbling. That we will pray by giving you thanks at all times. Make this our lifestyle, Jesus. We thank you. We thank you for truly, we truly believe that this is not a den of robbers, but this is a house of prayer. Our life shall be called the house of prayer. And I declare this over everyone who is listening to this, that this, your life, shall be called the house of prayer. We receive it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.